Good morning, class. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit gets fed, our faith grows stronger, and we learn how to be overcomers. It's God's plan and will that we win battle after battle, victory after victory, not be defeated, not be overcome, but the scripture said he always causes us to triumph. And uh, the scripture says in John that the way this happens, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Uh, you know, you don't have to know all the answers technically or knowledge-wise or detail in your head to know the correct response to any situation in life. The correct response is always faith. Trust God. <laughs> Believe God that uh, He's going to help you. He's going to show you what you need. He's going to give you your answer. He's going to give you your provision. He's going to give you your strength. Whatever it is, uh, you may not know, and it may just seem too hard and too impossible and too far, but you believe nothing's too hard for God. And all things are possible with Him. And you believe that He will give you what you need and get you where you need to be. Before you see any of it come to pass, you just have that confidence that we're going to make it. Not because I know everything or have done everything perfectly, but I trust God. He will help me. If I fall down, He'll pick me up. If I fall down ten times, He'll pick me up ten times. If I'm not getting it, He'll tell me again. He'll crank up the volume. <laughs> How many understand what I'm talking about? This is confidence, not in ourselves, but what Jesus said, have faith in God. Or like the Spirit of God said through Paul, I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded. He's able to keep what I've committed to him. So this uh, faith, sometimes people will say, well, you know, well, what faith are you? And they mean, you know, what group, what denomination, what? Well, that's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about faith. It's talking about living trust and confidence in a person, the person of God. Said out loud, I know, I know. in whom I have believed. In whom I have believed. Hallelujah. See, he went on to say, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him. Not just faith in what, but faith in him. Not just faith in principles or morals or a religious standard. Not just faith in your group, but faith in him. Faith in God. And friend, this faith in God will get you through anything. <laughs> get you through and over anything that this life and the enemy and other people could throw at you. Well, let's release faith for today, exactly what we need to hear going forward. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us, the faith school class all over the world, we join faith in believing you and uh, trusting you to feed our spirit and nourish our faith and illumine and enlighten our minds and understanding and hearts to, to quicken and comfort our souls and, and even quicken our, our bodies. Uh, exactly what we need today, Lord. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Go with me in the textbook again today, please, to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. 
Hebrews chapter 10, we've been talking about by faith. By faith what? By faith miracles. By faith victories. By faith healings. By faith we please God. In Hebrews 10, 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So he's talking about God being pleased or not being pleased. And the thing that causes him to be pleased is living by faith. And the opposite of living by faith is pulling back, drawing back, shrinking back. Uh, the Lord doesn't want us to withdraw. He wants us to step up and lay hold. In verse 39, he says, We are not of them who draw back unto perdition or destruction, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Said out loud, class, I'm not an unbeliever. I'm a believer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you know it's a choice? I've, had, uh, I've heard people that were more, you know, they, they uh, thought of themselves as intellectual. And they said, well, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I just can't believe that. I can't believe what you all say you believe. Well, that's simply not true. Uh, by nature of what faith is, we see in the very first verse of uh, uh, Hebrews 11 here, faith is the confidence of what's expected. It's the conviction of what is not seen. Faith's not based on understanding. Faith's not based on anything you see or feel it's simply a choice, a choice. So more accurately, when people say, I, I'm sorry, I can't believe that, that's not true. Uh, more accurate would be you're saying, I choose not to believe it. It's a choice. And I'm glad I, it's, it's such a wonderful life. When you choose to believe, the psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Skeptics will say, prove to me and I'll believe. Well, actually, if you saw it and felt it, it'd be too late to believe it then. <laughs> Faith has to do with the unseen. Faith has to do with what you've not experienced yet and, and has to do with just a, a choice to trust. And uh, uh, the, the psalmist said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see. And notice he's not just talking about when you get to heaven, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's down here. That's right now. And in fact, that goes right along with the sixth verse in chapter 11. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him, to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that seek him. God is a blesser. If you reach out, He responds. If you draw near to Him, what the Bible say? He'll draw near or close to you. And uh, so the psalmist said, I believed to see, and because of that, I didn't faint. I didn't fail. Well, He must have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And when people say, well, you know, seeing is believing, well, that shows they are completely ignorant of the subject of faith because that, nothing could be further from the truth. Faith is the conviction or evidence of things not seen, not seen. Uh, 
No, faith is not seeing. Seeing is not believing. And this idea of, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. Uh, that's too late for faith. Do you remember in the scripture when uh, Jesus had raised from the dead and he appeared in the room uh, where the doors were closed with the disciples and Thomas, uh, one of the disciples had been there prior and, and some of the, uh, the women had said, we've seen him, we've seen him. And, and he said, mm, unless I can, can uh, uh, put my hand on his hand and, and the, the nail print, unless I can put my hand in his side where he saw that spear go up in him on the cross, I won't believe. What's he saying? I have to see it before I believe it, you know. And uh, when the Lord appeared, he singled out Thomas about this. <laughs> I'm sure when the Lord brought it up, Thomas is wishing he hadn't said that. <laughs> he said, Thomas. He thought, Mm-hmm. Now, you, you got to put yourself in, his, in, in this place. They saw the Lord die. They saw him, you know, uh, put him up on that cross. They, they knew his body was in the tomb for, for days. And here he is looking them in the eye, calling his name, Thomas. Uh-huh. He said, come here. <laughs> Let me see your hand. Okay. Put it right in there. You feel that hole? Mm-hmm. Give me your hand. Okay, put it right up in there. You feel that? Uh-huh. He said, he said Thomas, because you've seen, because when, when he did that, he said, my Lord and my God. Well, that's all fine and good. But he said, Lord, because you've, he said, Thomas, because you've seen, you're saying you believe. Blessed is he who has not seen and yet believed. He said, don't be, unbe- don't be unbelieving, but believe, have faith. Well, we don't want to displease the Lord. Can you see that displease the Lord for him to talk like that and say, no, I got I to gotta put my hand and I got to feel big talk until he's looking the, eye, uh, looking the Lord right in the eye. Uh, no, that's not be- being skeptical, being analytical, in a, uh, yeah, analytical and intellectual at the expense of your faith is displeasing to God. Now, God gave us a mind. He wants us to use it. He wants us to learn. He wants us to develop. He intends for us to be brilliant. But we're not just minds. We're spirits. We have a mind. And the Bible said, trust. Everybody say trust. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your Heart, that's not your head. That's not your head. And don't lean to your own understanding. There's a difference between your heart and your head. Use your head, but when it comes time to make the decision, go with your heart. Go with what you get in your heart because even though you might be brilliant mentally, you know so little compared to what there is to know and what needs to be known. For instance, how much do you know about the future? You know, so with no knowledge of the future, how can you make the perfect decision that involves the next 20 years? Well, you can study, you can get all the stats and figures and info you want, and you'll never have enough to always make the perfect decision. But the one who knows the end from the beginning lives inside you. The one who has the plan for your life is right inside, close as your heartbeat. He's inside. And the Bible said, in all your ways, acknowledge him 
and he will direct your paths. Can you say amen, class? Amen. Turn with me again. We, well, we're right here. Let's read it and then we'll, go, then we'll turn. But in this fourth uh, verse of Hebrews 11, we were talking about Abel. And we saw that by faith, Abel offered. And you'll find that um, verse after verse involves a verb, <laughs> by faith and action. By faith, they did something. Now, you'll see in James where he said, faith without action is dead. We, you could say it like this, faith without doing is dead. A faith that's all talk and no action, the scripture says, is a dead, non-producing faith. So, you know, well, isn't faith, faith, Brother Keith? Well, no, there's a big difference, obviously, between dead faith and living faith. Difference between no results and great results. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, a little child on the side of the pool and their parents in the water saying, jump, jump, you know. <laughs> and they could stand there and go, or maybe they managed to get up on the, the diving board, you know, or whatever it is. And they're looking down and, and uh, they're concerned. And, and uh, maybe the child is exceptionally smart and they know how to talk and they can say, oh, daddy, I trust you. <laughs> I do. I know you care about me. And daddy says, well, jump. Uh, no, <laughs> but I, but I trust you, daddy. And, and I know, I mean, you're big and strong and, and I just, I'm sure you would do your best to catch me. Well, well, so jump. No, I trust you. But how many understand if the kid never jumps, <laughs> the, the lack of action proves the words are empty. I trust you, but I'm not going to do this. Means you don't trust. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times when people preface their remarks with something, the opposite is true as what they're, of what they're saying? They'll say, now, you know, uh, no disrespect, but what are they about to do? They're about, they're about to disrespect you. Is that right? <laughs> And, uh, and you'll find this, you know, that uh, I trust you, Lord, but, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to obey you. I'm not going to do what you said. Well, that, that's dead faith. That's empty talk to say. But we know, if you, if you look at these uh, verses, by faith, Abel gave. By faith, Noah built an ark. Come on, can you see this? By faith, and, and every one of these verses, by faith they did something. So real faith is not talk, not just empty talk. It's not all talk. And it's not just about going to church and hearing sermons on faith and memorizing verses about faith and making notes about faith and having series about faith and books about faith. All of that for 20 years can mean nothing if you never Step out and act on what you say you believe. Can you see this, friends? Yes. In the uh, fourth verse here, it says, by faith, what happened? Abel did what? Offered or gave, we could say, to God a what? A more excellent sacrifice 
than Cain, his brother, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, by his faith, by his act of faith, uh, he being dead, Abel's, I mean, it's been millennia since he was on the planet. And here we are today talking about Abel. Why? Because God said, now this is what I'm talking about, <laughs> what Abel did right here. This is, what, this is what I like. This is what pleases me. This is what's good in, in my sight. God testified and continues through his living word day in, day out to testify about Abel and his offering. And we, we saw other scriptures in the New Testament that showed that in the end, when the Lord comes and, and what transpires after that, the Lord's going to testify about our faith. We read scriptures and, and saw where that uh, our faith is going to be praised and honored. Well, that's, that ought to make us want to live by faith, right? And walk by faith and demonstrate, not just a bunch of empty talk, not dead faith, demonstrate some vibrant, living, strong faith that pleases God. Is that your desire? Yes. Do you see why we're having faith school then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> this is it. Go to Genesis, please. Um, and let's look at this again, the fourth chapter. We're, we're believing the Holy Spirit to just take this off the page for us and help us relive it and get, get an enhancement and a boost in the same spirit of faith that Abel operated in and all these, these men and women did. In Genesis, the fourth chapter and the first verse, Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived, bare Cain said, I've gotten a man of the Lord. She bare his brother, Abel. He was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So Abel was a rancher. Cain was a, a farmer. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. And so, as we said uh, on yesterday's class, no description of his offering. He just brought some things that grew on his farm. That's it. He brought an offering, or you could say a present to the Lord. Now, like we got into, nothing is said about this being a sacrifice for sin. And this was long before any law was given or any statutes or ordinances about giving or offerings. They had no law. They had nothing, no scripture telling them to give. And yet they gave. You know, the Bible says about Abraham that you, you remember when he, uh, God used him to overcome the enemy troops and rescue his uh, uh, relative Lot and their family and, uh, and actually all the people of those cities. And um, he, the scripture said, uh, he gave Melchizedek tithes of all. Abraham was a tither. And what you need to remember is he had no law <laughs> telling him to tithe. 
there were no scriptures. There were no, there, there's nothing telling him to tithe. Where did he get that? To tithe. The 10%. The same thing that came out in the law many, many years later. Well, God never changes. And you hang around God, you're going to pick up some things. Right? right? <laughs> and he was uh, fellowshipping with God, and he knew in his spirit that that's what he needed to do. And he did it by faith. And these folks knew in their spirit, I mean, uh, uh, Adam and Eve and, and uh, Cain and Abel, they knew it was right to give offerings to the Lord. And, and I believe there's every reason to believe they practiced this more than just once in a great while. And so they, here it is, uh, meeting time, offering time. And uh, I would suspect Adam and Eve had an offering, but this is not talking about them at the moment. But the boys come bringing their offering. Cain's got him some vegetables. And uh, Abel, what the Bible does give us some description about his offering. Anybody read this before? What happened? It said Abel, he also brought, he brought an offering, he brought a present. But what about his, uh, his present? We have adjectives. We've got, is that right? We've got description. We've got some, de we like detail, don't we? we like, don't we like detail? And, and why, would, why would the Lord not give you detail? Because there's nothing to talk about. Not worth talking about, especially not centuries later. But this is worth talking about for decade after century, after millennia after millennia. Abel's offering is worth talking about. God testified to it. Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Now, firstlings had to do with first ones. And of course, that's, that's always a big deal to you, right? Huh? How you get a job? You get your first check. Yay. Is that right? You, you plant your garden. You plant some nice tomato plants, plant some nice bean plants, and you got those first tomatoes. First one that's right. Kind of a big deal. Especially, you know, back prior to refrigeration, you ain't had a ripe tomato since a year ago. <laughs> or for months at least, you know. Now you've got a fresh tomato. Well, you know what the Lord said? He said, the first one is mine. I won't take time to go into it, but you'll read about it in multiple places. Uh, that the Lord said, the firstborn of the livestock is mine. And he said, the firstborn... Uh, the first fruits, I should say, of your crops are mine. Now, why would he say that? Because he knows that's important to you, right? The first ones are important to you, and it would take self-control not to just gobble down, <laughs> right? The first one, not to just go out and spend the first one. He said, give the first one to me. Give the first one to me. Now, this is something that has been largely lost, even among churches. But, you know, God never changes. And just like tithing, this existed long before the law. And anything revealed by faith continues before, during, and after the law. It's just part of how God functions, and it never changes. Do you remember that... Uh, there was a great famine in the land in the, in the book of the prophets, Kings, 
And uh, the Bible said that uh, the, the Lord told the prophet to go to the, the creek and uh, the Lord brought him food by the ravens and the birds. You remember that? Yeah. And he ate food and, and drank uh, water while it was such a terrible famine. People were starving. But then the brook dried up and the Lord told him to go to a, a widow's house and, and told him what town. And so he went to the town. And sure enough, as he's coming into town, he sees this lady and he knows, I guess maybe he knows by the Spirit who she is. And so he goes to her and asks her for a, a drink of water. And you know, that's like asking for gold. It's, it's a drought, right? And, uh, and, 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 he, and something to eat, some food. And she said, oh, you know, man of God, uh, I got a handful of meal. I got a tiny little bit of oil. I'm going to make a cake. And me and my boy, it's going to be our last meal. And we're going to eat it. And then I guess we're going to die. Do you know what the man had the audacity to say? Have anybody read, read this passage? What did the prophet of God say? Make me a little cake first. Say what? I mean, couldn't some of the uh, unbelieving news outlets, what would they have done with that today? Preacher takes food out of widow and child's mouth. Hmm? But that ain't the rest of the story. Does anybody know the rest of the story? Why did the Lord send the man of God to this woman? Because she wasn't all talk. Right? Faith without action, doing is dead. She looked at him. He said, he said that's fine. Go do what you said. But make me. No, he didn't say give it all to me. He didn't say even a big one. He said, make me a little one. First, what was the key here? First, first. You mean before you feed your child? Put God first? Yes. Can anybody listen? Yes. Do you want your child to eat well all their life? Do you want your child to be taken care of by God? Then don't put them first. Put God first. Y'all with me, friends? A lot of people really got this messed up. But she looked at him and God had prepared her for this. She said, okay. Stay right here. So she went, made up the little cake, brought him the, uh, the, the, a bite first, a cake first. And the Bible said they ate for many days. Hallelujah. The, the meal didn't fail and the oil didn't run out. Does putting God first pay off? Yes. There's a principle, we'll see this in, in later studies, but the Bible said if the first, in the New Testament, it says if the first fruit is blessed, what it came from, the lump, the rest is blessed. And that's why the Lord was telling them, to, telling him to tell her, give me the first one. And what does that mean? I can bless the rest of it for you. Is that right? I can make the rest of it last as long as it needs to if you won't put yourself first, if you'll put me first. And Abel's offering was a first one. It was a firstling and the fat. And God said, I like it. It, it pleased him and he blessed him. Hallelujah. Well, that's it again for our time in faith school. Said out loud, I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith. Giving glory to God.